Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO, and today we're back in the podcast studio with another special episode. Over the last 10 years, we have done some amazing things and we've talked to some amazing people over the last two years on this podcast. And today we bring a special episode revisiting with two of our special survivors. Thank you for listening and enjoy today's episode. We're back in the studio and I've got a former guest on the line, a name that hopefully a lot of our listeners know, Mr. Frank Roach, AKA Pancan Man. How are you, Frank? I'm doing well, Dino. Thanks for having me on. I was going to say cranky Frankie, but as we were talking about before, <laughs> you're no longer cranky. Well, <laughs> we'll have to ask your wife that question, but I'm not going to call you cranky Frankie. You know, they, they, I got a few organs taken out of me, but the crankiness was still uh, they left behind. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Frank, for our listeners at home, and um, hopefully many of them have heard your podcast and your journey. And before we hit record, we were talking about this. Uh, I believe the last time we had you on, you were waiting to get your Whipple, uh, which has since happened. Um, why don't we give our audience kind of a, a, an update and also kind of a, a brief journey um, in terms of where you were um, or what you've been going on with pancreatic cancer over the last couple of months? You bet. Um, I, so I got a Whipple by Dr. Trudy at Mayo Clinic on April 14th. And um, I had a really rapid recovery. Um, I got a total pancreatectomy. So when they got in there and looked at my pancreas, um, it was too soft to leave. So uh, my entire pancreas was taken out, of course, my spleen, my gallbladder. Um, and then, uh, so that makes me type one diabetic now. Um, but, uh, I had a really rapid recovery. I was ready to go home out of the hospital after five days. Um, it was, uh, I, you know, in none of these kinds of surgeries, would I say it's easy, but, um, by the time I had gotten to the second week and gotten my J tube out, um, then I was really pretty much ready to go. I hung around Rochester uh, up to the eighth week because there are some diagnostics that happen after Whipple. Got to look up for closing of uh, blood vessels and uh, that hepatic artery. And so I just wanted to make sure that I was out there. And so I stayed in Rochester for that, that duration. Uh, and then um, everything went really great. Um, I felt really well and, um, you know, as well as you can, I'm just cut from my sternum to my pelvis, right? I mean, as all these kinds of surgeries are. So it's, a, you know, in the first couple of weeks, that was a little snug. Um, but I, I, felt, I felt well and um, recovered well. And so uh, got my, checked it out. And then at eight weeks, um, I was cleared to go home. And I'm now home in Connecticut. I live in Central Connecticut, as you know. And so, um, and it just continued the recovery. So more of the recovery, I would say now has been just the chemistry of um, type one diabetes. And I've handled that really well. I've got my A1C is, is at 6.6, .6, which is really super good for or early. Um, I've never been diabetic in my life. So um, I've been able to manage that really pretty well uh, with help from the care team at Mayo. Um, I have an endocrinologist there, Dr. Montori. And so 
and the nurse, uh, you know, nurse educators that uh, that work with me as well. So, been able to handle that, and I um, so, you know, the 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 more trajectory is uh, diagnosed in um, early 2019. I um, I had a biliary duct uh, occlusion that was uh, you know, and then uh, and then that's all cascaded into a whole bunch of things. I got chemo. 13 rounds of chemo, then I did radiation uh, out at Mayo, and then I did Whipple. So that was the sequence, and I am NED at this point. So I just went and got amazing. checked out again after, so that was my four-month checkup and NED. So, you know, I had a spot in my liver, I had a spot in my lung, I had, the, I had you know, the big tumor in my pancreas. Um, all are gone and no evidence of disease at this point. It's a miracle. Did you, and I've got a question before we go into the four questions that I have, but I just want to spend a minute on this. So having that pancreatomy, did you know going into the surgery? I know like a lot of times doctors or surgeons will say to the patient like, hey, if things don't look good or, you know, if this happens, you know, we'll, we'll abort or, you know, whatever, because, you know, they just kind of forewarn the patient and, you know, patients go to bed and then when they wake up, they find out what happens. So was, was that even discussed? before in terms of total I, removal i asked for it oh, wow. um i so i had known that there were there was a chance because of the softness of my pancreas yeah. and then the chance for all of the acetites that can grow from like you know mm-hmm. all of the things mm-hmm. that can happen with the drains and all that kind yeah, of stuff yeah. the leaky leaky pancreas yep. yep leaky is a very dangerous situation it can mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. and so what i told Dr. Trudy going in, I, in effect said, Hey, listen, can you just take my pancreas out? I mean, I said that bluntly and he's like, well, that's not exactly how it works. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And so, um, when he got in there, we had already discussed it. I had talked about, you know, the implications of doing that. I yeah. we had talked about the implications of the recovery. And so, um, we, you know, it didn't surprise me when I woke up and, you know, he sat down on the edge of the bed and said, you know, I took your whole pancreas out. And I said, well, good. I'm glad. I'm actually glad because um, I can handle the, you know, the chemistry hack of Mm -hmm. type one diabetes, but I don't know that I could have handled having a leaky pancreas that would have, you know, led to other complications. So um, I was pleased with that decision. Very pleased. And I was appraised ahead of time. And I actually, you know, kind of honestly asked for it. Well, I, I would say, Frank, from you know, getting to know you uh, and remember uh, listening to your podcast and how entrenched you were with the therapies and understanding everything that was going on and even the research and finding Dr. Trudy out at Mayo, I'm not surprised by that. Um, you know, so I would say to our listeners at home, if you haven't listened to Frank's podcast with us, go back and listen to it because it's truly uh, an appreciation of a patient understanding every single thing that's going on with them and every option that they have available. So I'm not surprised, which is a good thing, Frank. Um, (laughs) You know, I I, I will say, um, you know, it's fascinating because I've talked to people personally. I don't think we've ever had someone on the podcast say that, like, hey, listen, when you go in, just take it out. I just want it out. But I have talked to patients and they have asked a lot. I mean, that I think you'd be surprised how many people ask, just, hey, just remove my pancreas. And, you know, I'm not an expert on it. And I don't know why it's not done more often, potentially, maybe because of the risks of, you know, the the operation or, you know, that they just don't want to leave people as, 
you know, full on diabetics, but I do know what a lot of people that get the Whipples, they tend to, I don't have the exact percentage, but I know there's a fair amount that do become diabetic, even though they have the Whipple. They do. Yeah. It's a, it's a fair number Yeah, that have that happen anyway, that the pain and they have all of the other implications mm-hmm. of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, leakage is a 50% yeah. likelihood and it's, it's, you know, depending and that actually is, goes a lot higher depending on the sort of the, the stiffness of your pancreas. So if they don't, if they're trying to sew jello back together, yeah. um, then, you know, the likelihood of leaking means drains means that you're going to, you know, basically start a fire in your abdomen because, yeah. you know, in the belly fat, you know, um, if you have no belly fat in your abdomen, then okay, but I did. And, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, bluntly, and that's a risk. I mean, yeah. that's, an, that's an honest risk because then you, you know, you have more, more chances for infections. You have more chances for, um, stomach not restarting. There's lots of things that can go on, go wrong. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. You know, it's probably a good question to ask next time we have a surgeon on and, you know, I mean, I, you know, you don't want to believe this, you know, but you know, uh, what I'm going to say, you know, surgeon's job is to operate. Right. And that, that would seem, you know, like just removing it wouldn't be as complex as leaving part of it in. Right. So maybe there's, you know, some conspiracy theory that they don't take them out because it's too easy to do, I guess, or something. I don't know. Maybe I, well, I, I'm making I, I that up. That, <laughs> no, I think that, and I know that Dr. Trudy went in with the intention of, preserving what could be preserved yeah. and then when he went in there but you know i'm sure that you know with all that experience um knowing that what the what the implication was and knowing that we'd already had that discussion um you know there's a lot of rerouting that has to go on yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so you know lots of blood vessels have to be rerouted and a lot yeah. of ducts have to be rerouted and all that stuff has to be done right and it's um you know it's tedious it's a it's a very long and involved process and you know eight, 10, 12 hours, depending. Yeah. Mine was, mine was something on the order of nine. Yeah. That's like a that. lot. So, that's a lot of time. Yeah. I think that you, you just said something though, not this be the last thing we'll, we'll talk about this, um, is the jello and, and, you know, I've heard sponge before and, you know, I've had a surgeon explain to me like, you know, that it's, it's like a sponge. Like, so imagine like cutting, taking a household sponge that you would use to, you know, clean your dishes and cutting it in half and then trying to suture that together back again and how difficult that is. But I think jello is maybe a better analogy too, because, you know, you really, you know, imagine trying to suture jello and just like, you know, <laughs> sutures go right through. Right. So it's just, exactly. but I, I think people don't realize that. And that's where I think the complexities of the pancreas you know, become and, and where it starts is that this is just a super complex organ and, you know, it's not very uh, easy to operate on. And, you know, clearly that's an awareness thing. So, you know, the more awareness that we bring to this, um, you know, hopefully the, the more, you know, expertise we'll get in the field and more funding for research that is, you know, drastically needed at this point with everything going on in the world. 100% agree, you know. All right. I've got four questions for you here, Frank. The first one, given your journey, someone who's listening to this podcast, recently been diagnosed, let's say, what would be your best advice for them? Coincidentally, I have someone very, very close to me who um, was diagnosed last night. Oh. And so uh, almost with an exact parallel to what I had. And I told him this, um, it is going to be fight that battle 
one day forward. Don't be listening to, don't get into the dire predictions. Don't get into the statistics. You can know all this, but do the process one step at a time. Probably for you runners, I don't suppose that you go out and start running marathons on the first day. No. Right? You, uh, you, you run, walk, you do a little bit of walking, you do this. I feel like there's a parallel in the one step at a time issue, which is do the thing that's right in front of you. Don't. And then the other aspect of that is have hope. You have to, there's, you can't, don't, don't be silly. Don't sort of think like, oh, well, this is just a walk in the park. This is like, you know, getting a common head cold. It's not, it's serious, but have hope that if you follow the process, that things have gotten so much better. Do you know in the 10 years that you've been doing this work with Project Purple, I could imagine that you have seen such a transition in the survivorship. It's not great. The numbers are not great, but they are a heck of a lot better than they were in 2010 when you started doing this, uh, you know, compared to now. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that statement at all, Frank. I mean, it's it's pretty fascinating. I mean, I think the genetic piece is what's really exciting, and you know, we we are heavily involved in that. Um, so maybe that's why I get really excited when we talk about that. But you know, there there is something, and I don't have the data, um, but the data that we do have is that you know, ten years ago it was five percent, now it's nine. Um, you know, that's that's we're almost doubled. You know, in ten years, which you know, again, we're not happy with that, and that's not where we need to be. But that's a big jump. So it's a really a massive jump. Yeah. I mean, you know, breast breast cancer survivorship is in the nineties. Yeah, you know, for the for the exact parallel versus nine. Yeah. Um, but we'll take we'll take a doubling. And yeah. you know, if there are things that we know that that are progressing, you know, we know that the chemo regimens have have progressed really rapidly. Uh, we know that the radiation protocols, the the people's expertise with Whipple, have gotten better and yeah. better. So it's yeah, all of those things. Yeah, there's a and there's a lot happening too, Frank. And I think that's where you know, and I remember hearing this a couple of years back that you know we'll make that leap a lot quicker than breast cancer because of the advancements in technology. And it's hard to fathom then, you know, like you, do you hear that and you go, yeah, okay. And then now you look 10 years later or, you know, now we're five years, I think is when people started to really hear that. And um, the science is advanced, advancing a lot faster than it ever has. And that'll continue to happen year over year. Second question, what was, or what is, I should say, your number one tip? And this could be, um, you know, something that you did, something that, you know, just got you through this journey, um, you know, that not necessarily related to care, but just something maybe mentally, or maybe it was something physically. It was probably more mental and it had a lot to do with music. Mm -hmm. Um, so for me, I, I listened to Casey Musgraves rainbows oh, every yeah. day. Yeah. And I, I love that song. And I sort of, um, at the very end of it, she says the words, it'll all be all right. And, you know, every day when it kind of, it would feel a little dire, feel a little, little scary. Yeah. Um, I would, I would play that song. I played many other songs and there was, you know, I, I played a lot of music during my chemo. They, my, uh, my chemo nurse, Karen used to laugh at me because she could sort of tell how I was reacting based on how I was uh, air guitaring or <laughs> tapping my foot. <laughs> That's awesome. And so it, it, I, I found that um, music was very soothing in, on multiple levels. And then I became almost um, superstitious 
huh. about playing Casey Musgraves every day. <laughs> so, That's so cool. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it, it really helped. And I know that might seem a bit trite, like, okay, music, whatever. But it does take your mind off. It does have a bit of a narcotizing effect. It relaxes mm. people. And I found certain songs. I would have playlists that I would play sometimes when I really wanted to feel like I'm on to rock out and other times when I just needed to, you know, sort of take it easy. And so it w- that was really helpful to me to keep that in mind and almost have that as a, it'll all be all right as a mantra. I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Next question. What was the biggest challenge in this entire journey for you? Um, that about first, about one minute, after I was told that I had pancreatic cancer and it was bad. And um, that was, I was mentally unprepared for that. I mean, I knew I was sick. <laughs> I knew I'd gotten all the diagnostics, but that first minute was a shock. It was a shock to my system and it, sort of threw me for a loop for a minute because I didn't know how to react. I sort of thought like it seemed really surreal. Um, but then I rapidly moved into action mode. So, but I, um, I would not want to have that one minute uh, re- to relive ever again. Yeah, I was sick. Chemo knocked me on my keister. <laughs> there were various things, but that one minute was a really tough minute. How did you get yourself out of that, Frank? Um. I, the action mode helped. I overrode, um, sort of my, you know, the visceral reaction, which Mm -hmm. was like, uh oh, you know, like, uh oh, because just like I think almost everybody else who's gotten a pancreatic, everybody seems to know somebody who has gotten the diagnosis of pancreatic cancer and died. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sorry to be so blunt, but it's like, oh, well, I just knew somebody and, you know, he was diagnosed in June and he died in August. And, you know, it's always, and that's what I, that's what I heard. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you know, this is, um, it's got my death sentence. And now I've got to like, you know, I started to start cataloging like, okay, if I have only 90 days, what's my 90 days look like? Mm-hmm. I got out of that really quickly because what I did was I thought, well, okay, look, I, I didn't, I'm not that sort of, you know, fighter guy sort of thing. It was more like, I just thought like, okay, there's science about this and, and I can get the best science that I can. And so I'm going to go after that and I'm going to have the best hole. I'm going to put, give the best chance that I have to that. And that distracted me from the, uh Oh, <laughs> the, you know, this is really bad because I mean, it, it's hard to deal with other people um, who are kind of looking at you like you're the walking dead and, you know, sort of, that's that was really that's a little bit difficult to handle but i was able to was able to transition pretty quickly i would say within a day hmm. i moved from uh what was me to okay i gotta do something here and here's what i'm gonna do and here's the sequence it's powerful last question looking back at the journey what worked really really well for you Besides the medical science, which was extraordinary, everything from, you know, Dr. Tree guiding me to Dr. Hong, who's my medical oncologist, to Dr. McWilliams, who did the um, oncology there, and Dr. Lester, who did the radiation. I mean, there were the science of that. There was also um, 
I, I had an incredible amount of support. I mean, massive amount of support that helped my wife. Um, just, I don't know how she did that, honestly. Yeah. I mean, when I look <laughs> cranky, Frankie is a well-earned <laughs> moniker pre pancreatic cancer. <laughs> I was that guy before you can just imagine like when, you know, when I'm sick, I mean, yeah. I was sick. She, uh, she did one of everything for me. I mean, you know, the, the, the moral support of it, the quiet when I needed quiet, um, the, you know, the, the, the handling of keeping a lot of people informed without having me get involved in that. So like she kept a lot of people. And so she took on a lot of the emotional baggage Mm -hmm. that goes along with it. So I was really unburdened by nearly everything because of her. And how she handled that. And, you know, then the cascade out. I mean, my sons all were, you know, have, you know, super helped me out. Um, you know, Stephen drove out with me to, to Mayo for one of my really bad appointments. Like when it was, when I was really, really sick. Um, you know, there's, there, I, I got a lot of that. So there was a, you know, the, the, the support that I got from those people. And then the kind of the love that I got from so many friends that were sending me postcards and notes and, you know, a blanket that I still carry around to this day, almost like Linus, mm. <laughs> um, you know, little signs that I have up around, uh, uh, you know, an icon of St. George that uh, a friend of mine gave me. I mean, there's, there's various of these kinds of things that I all took as signs that these were going to be all right. And so I had the support and then I also had a lot of uh, people that were sort of feeding good energy into me. And I really feel that I'm not all that cosmic a person, but I will say that I could really feel that, that part of the love and it really super helped. Well, it's contagious, you know, and I think the one thing that is a constant parallel in every single podcast that we've done with a survivor is that support system. And how important that support system is for them um, and for all these folks fighting, for those listening at home. And I think that's the one thing I think, you know, that probably the second thing that that I've seen, you know, and, and, you know, as people say, what can I do for someone? My friend just got diagnosed. You know, what can I do? And And I always say, just be there. You know, be supportive. You know, you don't have to go out and buy the guy a new TV or, you know, like a new lounger or something that, you know, is going to give his back great support. Just be there. Just be there to help him. And so uh, such such a powerful message here, Frank. I appreciate you coming back on our podcast. It's a, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, I had a note here. You know, you, you slayed the dragon, my friend, and uh, it's just so inspiring to hear you talk about this journey once again and and to hear how you handled this with, you know, really grace and the energy that you put into this thing to beat this thing. So uh, you're an inspiration for us here at Project Purple. And I know for many people out there, hopefully listening to this podcast, see you as a, as hope and a beacon of light, you know, in this fight for uh, pancreatic cancer. So appreciate you coming on the podcast. You know, thank you so much. And thanks for all that you do. It's really terrific. Hello, and thank you for joining us. Uh, We're on the phone here with 
Glenn Gather. Glenn, thank you for joining us on the Project Purple podcast once again. Well, thank you for hosting me again here. It's uh, it's good to hear from you. Well, you know, for our listeners at home, if this is the first time uh, you're hearing Glenn's name, um, we highly recommend that you go back and listen to Glenn's full episode about his journey. Today, we're recording a special episode of our anniversary, 10 years, 10 and 10, and we wanted to bring back some of our guests to the podcast to share kind of a a brief journey update about where they are and then ask them some questions about their journey. So with that, Glenn, if maybe our audience is hearing your name for the first time, I'd love for you to just kind of give kind of a brief introduction to your journey with our audience listening at home that have not listened to your first podcast. Yeah, well, um, you know, I've, I've been talking to a lot of people uh, and getting a lot of messages since that first podcast. And, it, you know, the question's always the same. Hey, how did you get through it? Yeah. And, or, you know, they're thanking me for, you know, giving them some hope and some inspiration. Um, you know, my cancer journey was uh, a lot different, I think. I think, you know, when I hear from other people's stories, I feel like I was, you know, a lot more blessed uh, in going the route that I did, which was the low-dose chemo. Um, but I was diagnosed in August of 2016. Uh, had a Whipple in, in uh, October of that same year, uh, which there were some complications from. I uh, was fortunate enough to meet Dr. Chen, who does low-dose metronome chemo and vitamin C infusion, and we ended up doing 68 rounds of 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 that, uh, which when you when you hear sixty eight rounds of chemo, you know compared to what most people are going through with their chemo, they're eight or nine rounds, but they're doing full dose chemo. Um, so it was a lot. Uh, the side effects were a lot less. I mean, there were there's always going to be side effects from chemo, but they were a lot less. Um, you know, went on a stringent diet, uh, took several supplements. Uh, switched over to IPH water, and fortunately for me, 24 months later, you know, uh, in a back room with Dr. Chen, he was just looking through the through the uh, the latest test results, and he just looked at him and said, "Hey, we're done doing chemo," which to me was sounded a little bit ominous, but it ended up being that the reason we were done doing chemo is because there was no more cancer, which was uh, that kind of floored me. So. It's amazing. That's, that's pretty much my journey in a nutshell. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and I know, you know, for our audience listening at home, if this is the first time you're hearing this from Glenn, we highly recommend that you go back and listen to the full episode. And, you know, uh, the hair on the back of my neck just stood up as I hear you tell that story once again. But it's just so powerful and amazing, you know, to hear you say that, um, you know, that there's no evidence of disease and, you know, there's hope um, and there's inspiration in hearing that for so many people. And I think, Glenn, before we hit the record button and, you know, just share with our audience, I mean, since that podcast, you, you've said you've been, you know, reached out. There's there's people reaching out to you from all over the world. Yeah, I mean, uh, yesterday it was Melbourne, Australia. I've got people that are in Scotland, uh, Malaysia. New Zealand, uh, South Africa, it's, it's kind of, you know, the word kind of spread because, uh, with that, um, pancreatic cancer support group on Facebook, 
Yeah. And those people kind of got a hold of it and they passed it around to their friends and family. And then um, I went to another group, uh, which was stage four pan- pancreatic cancer group, you know, and I posted the video there and boom, I get like 190 some hits, like within a matter of a day and a half. So it's, uh, good. it was, it ended up being a good podcast. So, and you know, always add that little, snippet on there if you have and when I share it through messenger if you have any questions just call my number yeah yeah so. be careful what you what you wish for right I guess because in this case it's a good thing you know that that is yeah. inspiring so many people and you know that's the one thing I think that is really the power of this and this podcast and sharing all these stories is that you know there, there is a lot of information out there. And I, I know this is a common theme that we've talked about. And clearly, you know, we can go off on this for a little bit, you know, about for you, like just being your biggest advocate, because you did change your diet, you added supplements, you know, you really kind of got into the nitty gritty, which I don't know how many people really do. And I don't know, and I'm not trying to, you know, sound disrespectful, but I think you have to become your biggest advocate. And I think that's something that I think we've become so reliant on the medical system, not to say that we doubt what the doctors are saying, but there's other doctors out there with other philosophies that may work for you. Yeah, you know, and and the thing is, I was telling people that from the get-go, it's like, hey, you know, start today. You don't have to wait on the doctor to start changing your diet. You don't have to wait on the doctor to take, you know, healthy supplements and do things that are going to, boost your immune system, which is what has to kill the cancer eventually in the long run, you know? And I also, you know, they're like, well, my doctor, this and that. And I'm like, well, yeah, but who does he work for? He works for you. You know, you're, you should have, you know, you should be calling the shots because it's your dragon this way. You're the one that has to, you know, you're the one in the fight. Yeah. I mean, I kind of see doctors as coaches and people that give you good advice but you have to sort through what your actual treatment's going to be. You know, you have to either accept or reject the treatment. So that's like, that's the biggest thing. You know, be your own advocate. You know, this is your fight. Get into it and, uh, you know, call the shots. If you don't like what your doctor's saying, get a second opinion. So powerful. So powerful. I couldn't agree with you more. Glenn, I've got four questions for you that I want to share with our audience with this podcast. And the first one is what is the best advice you would give someone right now listening that just got diagnosed? The best advice? Yeah. Uh, you know, first thing, don't panic. I mean, I know when you hear those words the first time that you've got pancreatic cancer, that's, that's, I mean, and it is, it's scary. It sounds really scary and you can't stop thinking. And a lot of people will just, they'll kind of, like we were just saying, they'll stop and they'll let the doctor run the whole show and they'll just go along with the program, even if they're getting sicker. So uh, what we had talked about, taking charge of your own health. You know, I think that's the biggest thing right there. You you know, it's your health. You can affect uh, the outcome of your health in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of things that you can do yourself to stack the uh, odds in your favor. That would be my biggest advice. You know, do everything that you can to stack the, the, the odds in your favor on your own accord. Powerful. What is next question? 
your number one tip? And this could be something uh, health-wise or when you were going through treatment, something that you just uh, was like your go-to and and your number one go-to thing. My number one go-to thing. I would think, you know, I don't know. I could go on about diet and and supplements, mm-hmm. you know, which we kind of just already talked about, you know, taking care of your, your own health. But it's also really critical to have a good team of people around you. You know, I've had, I had friends, Steve and, and Randy and those guys, and they would take me to chemo and, you know, so it made it made my life uh, easier, you know, to have people that were close to me, and, and you have to kind of rely on them sometimes. Um, just uh, you know, life is you know short as it is, so do everything that you can to make it better. You know, I've got I've got had friends that uh, when I was a member of the wellness committee at work were like, well, you know, we're all going to die anyways, but and my response was. So that was always going to be, well, how do you want that to happen? You know, do you want to live a really full active life and then go to sleep at night? Or do you want to have like a chronic condition and, and you know, get ill over a longer period of time? So, you know, support group and your friends and your family, they're, they're very important and they're critical. So the, the number one tip I would say would be to make sure you have a good group of friends around you. Yeah, no one should fight alone. I think the one thing... Yeah, no, it's a really, really tough battle, and you're not going to be strong enough to do it all on your own all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's that's a powerful message, because I think in, you know, I I understand that, you know, a lot of people want to be private about their fight, but there's no pride in fighting this thing alone. Right. No, yeah, and I get, you know, I kind of get that. I've had people that were like, you know, that I know are fighting cancer, they don't say or do anything about yeah. it to anybody. They keep it all to themselves. And I'm like, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have gone through the same thing or are in the process of going through the same thing that you can relate to. Uh, and, you know, don't hesitate to reach out, you yeah, know, a doubt. communicate with people. You know, because it you know, it helps. It helps a lot. Make the journey makes the journey or the journey a lot a lot easier. It's a, it's it's a hard enough disease to fight. Uh, you know, in general, even with a support group, doing it alone is is going to be that much tougher. Yeah, it's 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 so powerful, though. I mean, you know, because I think a lot of times people just feel they don't want to burden people, and I don't think anyone feels burdened by helping someone get through that fight. Um, I've never heard that, but you know, that, you know, a friend said, Hey, like, you know, my friend who's battling cancer, you know, is a real burden to me. Um, it's usually like, Hey, what else can I do? We get the, we get the calls here. Like, Hey, I've got a friend and it may not be pancreatic cancer, just cancer in general. Like what's the best thing I can do for my friend battling cancer? You know, so people want to help, um, but you just got to be able to accept that help I think is, is key as well. Next question here. And these are, I say loaded, you know, they're, they're, we always throw some curveballs or loaded questions. And I know this is kind of like a, a hard one, but what was the biggest challenge in your journey? And, and I know we, we try not to focus on the negatives, but if there was something that was like, you know, the biggest challenge that you had during your, your journey with pancreatic cancer, what would that be? Wow. Um, 
I, you know, I faced a couple of different challenges. Uh, there was the physical aspect of it after the surgery, uh, not having any appetite. Uh, and, you know, there, there were some mistakes made. It wasn't, the surgery didn't go without complications. And so for me, it was that first five months, it was physically really, really difficult uh, to get through uh, until I started chemo and, and got on the different uh, supplements and THC. Uh, but, you know, the other part of that for me, too, was emotional because if you remember right, we were talking about uh, my kids were missing at that time. Yeah. So that was that was a big hurdle. But, you know, it, it, it also kept me motivated because I was bound and determined to see them again. Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to die without seeing my kids and talking to them. And they were gone for 11 months. And that, you know, it was a hard 11 months, but um, I kept pushing forward because that was, that was the goal. I got to see my kids again. That was my, my biggest thought. That's, you know, that helped push me through to, to where I survived. Absolutely. I can see that. I mean, you know, the motivation uh, to get through that. Um, and sometimes we all need that. And even, you know, not even fighting cancer, but, you know, clearly what's going on right now in this pandemic that we have, you know, with uh, with the world and everything that's in front of us right now. Yeah, it always boils down to um, in your immune system. Your immune system is, you know, critical you know, when you're fighting cancer or any other illness. And, you know, for people that get cancer, you know, a lot of times it focuses their attention back on their health, uh, which is a good thing. You know, that's, that's where we're hoping it would have been in the first place, you know, to avoid getting ill. So, you know, I tell a lot of people that don't have cancer, it's like, hey, you know what, start taking care of your health now. Yeah, yeah you can. it'll make a difference down yeah. the road, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, before you're like going, oh, now I'm trying to get healthy while I'm fighting cancer, you know, get healthy now. And, you know, try to do the right things to reduce your chances of having to actually go through that battle. Do it while you can versus when you really need it. That's what I always tell people, you know, get involved while they can, because when the, the time is when they need it, odds are that, uh, you know, it could be too late or, you know, your odds are really stacked against you. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they, when you get pancreatic cancer, it's, uh, you know, you, everybody hears the stories. You know, that, oh, it's not survivable or, you know, your odds are a million to one. And they look at those numbers and those and uh, everything that they heard. And that's, you know, that's where they go. They're just like, wow, you know, I'm, the odds of me beating this are astronomically high and I'm in a bad place. And I'm not going to be able to do this to where if they actually, you know, get involved in a group or something, then that starts, the, they get a different message. You know, they get messages from survivors like myself, and there's others out there. Um, it'd be kind of nice if we had a group of survivors, if we had our own, you know, group that we could, you know, get together and then from there spread that word out into, into the community. Yeah, well, we need more, you guys, and that's what we try to do here on the podcast and, and through various things that, uh, you know, initiatives that we have going on. So, you know, I, I think hopefully once we find that next normal, I wouldn't even say the new normal, but the next normal, you know, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to do that, you know, more than we, we've done in the past. My last, yeah. my last question for you here, Glenn, is what worked really well for you during this journey? 
I'll tell you, for, you know, physically and, and, and going through uh, the chemo and everything, it was, you know, Dr. Chen's staff, they were like family. You know, and then being in there in a room with all the other patients doing chemo at the same time and everybody sharing their story and they're sharing their, you know, opinions and their what knowledge on nutrition and and uh their cancer fight and what they're doing and, and that was incredibly, incredibly helpful, you know, because you have to get educated. When you get cancer, you you're on a crash course, learn everything you can about the disease and what you can do to fight it and how you can boost your immune system. And um, the way Dr. Chen had things set up at his office, that was easy to do because, you know, he encouraged that. They they also had a naturopath on staff and Dr. Giniak and they're a nutritionist. And it's, it's really a more holistic approach. You know, you have to look at the whole patient, not just the cancer. And I think we get a lot of... Uh, Medical facilities and doctors out there are just like, okay, well, here's the problem. I'm going to target the problem, but they target the problem only. So, you know, it was it was a big help, you know, to have, to be in a, in a facility where the patients educate each other and and support each other. That was that was a huge help for me. Well, I think that goes back to what you said earlier, just advocating and really doing your research and you know, finding the right doctor for you, you know, yeah, that, knowledge is, knowledge is power, huge. you know, and I've heard back from people now, a couple of them that were like, well, I told my oncologist, you know, about your, uh, about the podcast and Dr. Yeah. Chen, he said that was fake news. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, not really. Yeah. I love I'm pretty uh, sure I'm still alive. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Thanks. I love that. And disease-free, and yeah, it's just like no, well, no, or I, I love that comment, and I'm just going to go on a tangent here for a second. You know, anyone who thinks we're producing out fake news, I think, uh, you know, I've been doing this ten years, uh, been in this field, and uh, who, how do you, you know, fake news? I, you know, there's not one doctor that I think knows everything. You know, and that's regardless whether it's pancreatic cancer or not. And we can look at the world right yeah. now. And, we live in, you know, and there's so much fake news out there, right? And, you know, science is built on trial and error, right? Yeah. Like, you know, how many times do they fail to get the one positive, right? The positive yeah. test or the positive vaccine. You know, we've been at this thing for pancreatic cancer for over 50 years, and we have failed for 50 years. So for those listening that think like, oh, this is fake news, no. I think you need to really go out and educate yourself. And if I sound a little, you know, abrasive there, I apologize. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but, you know, we've always said here on this podcast, you know, this is the thing about sharing stories is that what works for you in this situation, Glenn, may not work for everyone, but you know, I have a feeling that there's probably going to be a handful of people out there that it probably will work for and vice versa. You know, and so I think that's where, you know, no doctor or clinician, if we brought them on, can say that Flafluorinox works for every single patient because it doesn't. And we know that. No. But that's where you as the patient, you have to become your advocate. No one is going to advocate for you. No one's going to be there in your corner saying to the doctor, hey, I think for Jane, we should try this. 
The only one that can say that is going to be you if you bring that information to the doctor. And then your doctor, if he's worth their weight in gold or he or she, you know, will say, well, yeah, I can look into that. Maybe I can connect with Dr. Chen or, you know what, there have been some papers on vitamin D and low dose you know, chemotherapy and the positive effects of that, you know, for a particular subset of the population, you know, maybe we can try that. And if it doesn't work, then go back to the traditional means. But to say yeah. that that's fake news is just, that's arrogance. And that's stupidity in my opinion, because you know what? People are fighting for their lives. And you know what? This is the problem with our system is that you have a lot of arrogant doctors that don't want to accept the fact that, you know what, maybe someone out there has maybe figured out something that maybe they should be maybe a little bit more flexible and, and you know, the, you know, understanding and maybe dive into more of the research behind it. You know, it's just, it's just ignorance, man. And I, that, that really drives me nuts when I hear stories like that, because no one's going to advocate for, no one's going to be the patient's biggest advocate other than themselves. So apologize for yeah. ranting there, but uh, I didn't want to hijack the conversation there, but just... No, and, you know, a lot of, sometimes it's not even the doctor, but it's, you know, the cancer clinic or the hospital that they work yeah. for with a, with a corporation that says, don't draw outside these lines. We Correct. have a financial model we have to follow. There's a business to this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a business, business. to it. You know, I keep asking why it's $5,000 a dose for chemo yeah. and stuff's been around since the 50s. Yeah. Almost as old as aspirin. It's not new technology. No. That, you know, you have to have it to survive. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So, or at least that's what we know right now. That's that's that what we're that's the narrative. Yeah, that's the narrative. My last question for you, and I've gotta ask, is how's the running been going? Because I know Again, we want you to go back and listen to the previous podcast if you haven't, but Glenn was a runner, got into running, went through pancreatic cancer, got back into running, and I know you said you started to kind of started to feel good again. So just wanted to kind of bring that up here as like a bonus question. Uh, yeah, the run has been going good. Um, it got a little interrupted because right now we're in the middle of archery elk season. Yeah. And That's true. You had all these wildfires, and it got smoky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, like the last week, it's like, <laughs> yeah. That, um, yeah, I'm keeping, I'm keeping a focus on a certain distance right now. I'm not running more than 15 miles, and I'm uh, working on uh, strength. You know, my, you know, my hip flexors, my yeah. IT band, glutes, all that, because I want to, as I increase the uh, the mileage, it's cooling off now. We're getting into fall. Yeah. Uh, and I, I prefer cooler weather to run in. Um, you know, I want to make sure I don't get those injuries because injuries are setbacks. So it's all about, you know, doing it, but being more holistic in my approach and uh, avoiding the injuries and trying to be a healthier runner. Because I, you know, quite frankly, I used to be the guy that was like, oh, it's just Achilles tendonitis. I'll keep training. Yeah. I'll keep going through, you know, forward or it's, you know, eat whatever I want and then run like crazy. And, that that didn't that worked for a long time, but it, it probably was not the best plan. Smart man, uh, I'm there with you because uh, I've come to the point where I just can't eat everything and then just assume that I'm going to burn it off the next day. It really, uh, you know, uh, I remember in school the five Ps, yeah. right? Prior, per, uh, what's it? Prior preparation prevents poor performance. So by yeah. preparing, doing all these things ahead of time, you you prevent that poor performance. So. It's it's critical. Yeah, exactly. It's key to it. 
Well, Glenn, yeah, and as you know, I'm not a spring chicken anymore at 58, yeah. so it's like, <laughs> don't need the injuries, need to stay healthy and focused and not overdo it. So Grandfather time catches up on you quick there. Well, Glenn, thank you for once again for joining us on the Project Purple podcast and for sharing with our audience your update and keep doing what you're doing. And thanks for the inspiration. Thanks for listening. Thanks for having me on again. You have a good day. Thank you for listening to the Project Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear today, please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and share our podcast as we hope to bring inspiration and positivity to the world of pancreatic cancer. This podcast has been, to say the least, an amazing journey for us here at Project Purple, but it could not be without our special guests that we have the privilege to interview week after week. Thank you for listening and hope you're as inspired as we are by listening to the Project Purple podcast. Until next time, be safe and thank you.